Drift kick at the 200 metres. About a length in front of V8. It's to party. It's still Drift by a length of V8. Drift is holding V8 for now. Drift bottles about. It's still in front though. And Drift wins a dramatic finish. PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And we've got to think about it, don't we? Thank you, Aretha Franklin. Uh, thank you, Sky Racing. Thank you, Racing.com. What a fantastic day's racing. Probably now the best day's racing in Australia, given how good the Everest is. Everest day, that is. How good Caulfield Guineas always is. And, uh, and some big players delivered on the big stage. And we always... We never stop learning, actually. We never, ever stop learning. Do we, Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals? No, not at all. It's part of the journey of life. <laughs> if you stop learning, you probably died. Absolutely. Well, we, we just learned what a stunning success this Everest Day is. Great to see packed house at Randwick for it. And uh, and it looked like perfect weather up there. I, would, I popped into Caulfield for a bit, Vince, but it looked like perfect weather in, at Randwick. And more to the point, the track looked like it was playing nice and slick. Oh, wasn't it ever? We can definitely say the track fast, for sure. I mean, just the daily track average was almost uh, three lengths faster than standard. But then when you bring the adjustments in, rock solid, four and a half, you you are in the uh, getting in that F2 territory. You're not far from it. Wow. Well, the overhead chopper shot of the Everest was <laughs> the, 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 the dirt was flying like the old uh, Vogue days. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many horses pulled up bad. Yeah, yeah, it's funny about that. Put some grass on the track and they're fine. Yeah, yeah, they've awkward. worked it out. They've worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's have a look at this Everest. Um, thinking going into the re- into this race, and you can listen to our preview podcast back. We never edit anything. You just listen back to it. You can think how we thought uh, pre-race and compare it to what happened in, during the race. But in a nutshell, Vince, it was about I wish I win and in secret. And obviously think about it was on side. And think about it just got the absolute perfect run. But all four horses in the finish, and that is, think about it, I wish I win, Private Eye, and uh, and in secret, they delivered for various reasons. And they were the best four horses in the race, of course, yep. as it turned out. Well, it's interesting, that first section, only 0.3 fast and standard overpass. So not going like a jet 
absolutely like in its zone. It's I, I really found that fascinating, right? Because I I did suspect there's a good chance of benchmark speed, right? But I, I just thought maybe they go a bit quicker, but they didn't. And then it was the the monster surge in the mid race. And you know the old story about them when you have the monster surge, the closer you are to the lead pack, the better your chances if you're good enough. Now think about it was always going to get the A one running in position. There was never an option for that horse, and it was ridden that way, Ralphie. And then if you look at the breakdown, only stalking the leaders a length at the 800, 5.8 length above benchmark between the 8 and the 4, and then 6.1 above last 400. Overall figures plus 6, the new um, head of the table. As far as Australian sprinting? Yep. Yeah. Well, so let, let, let's, in terms of Australian horses, yeah, on the short courses at the moment. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, I've got a nice comparison here. So two races earlier, front page led throughout the Kosciuszko benchmark overpass 0.3 above. So virtually the same speed as the Kosciuszko. So that would really happen that uh, an Everest would be at that pace. And in that situation, if you've got any ability and you're you're stalking the lead, you're in a one. Yes, a hundred percent. There's no doubt about that, and that's and that's really what happened. I mean, it, you know, did horses all get their chances? And this is part of the game. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. But ultimately, if you're up on the lead pack and you've only got one or two in front of the chances of uh, having issues are going to be a lot less. So think about it's produced a plus six. I, I, I don't know. One of the, one of the many fascinating parts of this Cape events is really pegging a winner. And by that, I mean, you don't know how much it's really got under the bonnet uh, as it keeps beating the opposition. And that's what this bloke is. He's just a machine. He's a, he's a regular, he's obviously a regular winner. And to go to a new PB as a five-year-old for a gelding is pretty rare, but it just shows you how he's kept evolving, but also how we didn't get to see how much he could do. So what was his previous best? And as you said, I mean, he was trending to a, to a new PB, but he got it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we touched on was the this runner had the opportunity of potentially getting up around that 5.2 mark, even though it was coming into the race with only a 2.8. And this is like when you use the racing analytics platform, you can go in and use the matrix. Yep. When you go into the matrix, it gives you such a sensational look at all the runners that it's raced against in their leading six runs and you get real clarity around like what the potential is and it also allows you to stress test the figures because when you do these figures they're in that moment based on that day it doesn't mean that they're going to trend and stay there all the time it is a moving number but we don't move it right we leave it where it is but the reality is the matrix allows us to see what that delta is how much can it be stress testing the negative or the positive so for me, I was happy because, Ralphie, I knew this horse had shown the potential when you stress test the numbers that it was going to be able to get above five, and that's what you needed to get on the podium. You needed to be in that range. And it, oh, I sort of sit back here and say, could anyone else have really beaten it? I know in secret absolutely stormed home. I sent you that little snapshot, Ralph, for the last 50 and 100 because we do capture that internally, right? Not for every race, but for a lot of the key races, just to see how horses hit that line. And the reality was this was just like sensational finish. But unfortunately, when you have this sort of setup and you're, well, 4.4 lengths below benchmark isn't a bad pace, right? You yep. are in that zone, but when you have that 
big surge in the mid-race. It's so hard. And this was one runner. When you go down the totem pole of all the runners in terms of how far above the benchmark, you'll notice that this horse here was in the bottom three in terms of how far above the benchmark between the eight and the 400. And this is like obviously the horse trying to get ready to get that maximum momentum. And you could see the big explosion that came into play with that horse between the four and the two and the last 200 metres. And that's race shape, isn't it? Because if you're at the back of the field, or sorry, if you're if anywhere other than the leading line, and, and, and bef- until you peel out, you're at, the, you're at the mercy of what's in front of you. <laughs> you really are. So this is the power of what difference would have been the scenario if the race was two lengths faster. It still may not change the outcome of the winner, but it may definitely change who ends up on the podium. Yeah. In the end, yep. For the for the in secret each way players who were in <laughs> in a coma bits. That's right. That's right. These things happen. So let's bring back to it. I wish I win. Peter Moody, uh, I saw a, a post race uh, thing he put up on Twitter and saying how proud he was of the horse and the jockey and you know uh, the circumstances of the race. But he said the Everest is on every year and we'll come back um, from a what we're, we're just describing from a historical perspective. Normally they're not going at that pace. Normally they're going faster. Yep. And or we could get a wet track. And that's how he obviously dominated in the TJ Smith. Both those circumstances were against him. So I guess what I'm saying is on the day, he probably couldn't have done much better. But looking at these 200 breakdown, his last bit was the best bit. And that's not really ideal because you want to be able to, um, you know, be at full exertion. And that sort of said that he couldn't get to full exertion until the 200 metre mark. Yeah, well, the reality was you could just see just a subtle shift in the speed approaching the 400 metres between yep. the six and the four. That, that half length does make a, a little bit of an impact, but not enough to make a difference. It, to me, it looked like the best horse won, Ralphie. That's right. Yep. Yep. In the yep. Yep. And the numbers were there. And I wish I wins. When you look at it, it's a new PB for that horse as well. That's at right. 5.6, new PB for private eye. Like, I couldn't stress test private eye under no circumstances better than 4.9. So it's come in at 5.2 and run out of its skin. In secret was the only runner that didn't run to its absolute top. And this is what happens, unfortunately. Yeah, they got 12 and they played a different tactic and that's the outcome. So let's say if Craig Williams was on in secret, I'm just trying to think about this over the weekend, right? So if Craig Williams on in secret, I reckon it goes forward. I reckon he just goes, I don't care. You're either going to win or you're not going to win, but I'm not going to die wondering. And I'm not criticising Zach Pert. I'm just trying to, you know, spitball here. But from the outside barrier, to concede in a big race, gee, it's, it's, it's not something you would probably do. But then I'm thinking, well, was there a spot anyway, trying to be fair? And maybe maybe she could have been played a three and four wide throughout if, if they did go forward. Well, What's your thoughts? What about private eye? What they try and do with that? Uh, well, they, they got the box seat run, absolutely. But it was it was drawn in, inside of uh, In Secret. Yeah, but the reality was in terms of pace, that's a horse that's generally a back marker. Yes, yes. Uh, they put themselves in a positive, positive position. Well, that, that, that's a national wheel special, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's when you look at that stable, they're obviously governed by Dominic Burney in terms of the power of mapping, and he obviously does a fantastic job. And yep. they felt that the best decision was to go back now, it wasn't too much off from making it happen, but unfortunately, you don't get the same money if you run fourth. And I'm not, I'm not um, disregarding what you're saying, Ralphie. I feel that there's a lot of merit in what you said. 
in terms of um, where that horse should have been. Does that change the position to a winning position? Maybe finish a second. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, and and probably one thing, just just a tie tie in a bow, and you know we could we could talk about a, a way a, a race evolves a million different ways. But think the first four in this race. Think about it. I wish I win private eye in secret. From the time they all walked into the stable for this preparation, this was their grand final and grand final races, grand final trainers. And they and they all delivered because yes. these horses ran right up to their top. And mind you, there was some horses behind that also did sensation. I thought cylinder was fantastic. Yes, with a plus four point six, even Hawaii five zero three point seven. I mean, I never gave any chance at all to Espiona. I thought that was a bad move what they did, but obviously they were saying, "Well, we got a slot, we got to do something," and it's probably one of the best mares in the country. Why not have a crack? But it was never going to work for them. Well, she's run exactly to a twelve hundred profile, isn't she? Yep. Yep, that's exactly what's happening. Shinzo, yeah, Shinzo was the interesting one that they kept persevering. It's a whilst that horse also ran well in terms of overall figures. There's always a cloud that if you come into a race and you're not a hundred percent. Now, I'm, I'm maybe on the day it's a hundred percent, but you, you pulled up lame in your start before. Yeah. That means things haven't gone perfectly for you. So exactly. Big, yeah, big risk that they took to go there, but um, oh well, they'll get to. Wipe the tears and come another day. Well, the thing is now, you know, they might go to a call more and now the horse has had a good run. Yeah, well, I don't know who else is going to that race, Ralphie. Yeah, no, it's got to be strong, but at least he's now got a platform to run well. Yeah, <laughs> true, what he, true. What he did in the Golden Rose wasn't a platform. Let's look at the old George Main now, the King Charles, the multi-million dollar race. And uh, and Mr. Brightside was favourite, but, you know, fangirl, she's just such a beauty. And uh, and really the only horse who's, who's had her measure uh, in the mile range on good tracks, there's been handy one called Enemo. So uh, she wasn't hard to find at all, Vince. She got the perfect run in your race speed profiles. Good return at Randwick of a 140-day break when winning over 400. Second best of the day, 1.7 above benchmark. She travelled 16 lengths below benchmark early before 15 lengths mid-race squeeze. So that was the point. She, but she'd had a break. You went on to explain why she was such a key chance. Um, and she really delivered on the big stage. The question is, did Mr Brightside deliver? Or did he sort of uh, run to his profile, dip a bit? And how much did she improve from her PB? Well, interesting. First, we'll start with Brightside, Ralphie. Yep. On the radio show on the Friday morning, you know, the one in Sydney. Sky Racing, yep. That's it. I made a very clear case about that. I felt one of the guys was saying that they were repeating the pattern on Mr. Brightside in terms of preparation coming into this race. And, and I, you know, my, myself personally, prior to, you know, this is examining the barrier trial, I have no doubt this is the probably the best horse in the country, right? But when I seen the trial, I made a comment to one of those uh, guys there and said to him that there is something different this year. They, I believe the boys made an error with the barrier trial that they did at Benalla. Because when I went through the data and I explained it, I said, this is something... When I say they made an error, they didn't make an error having the trial. Yep. They can't control the horse though, right? So what happened was in that trial, the horse has gone 14.2 below for the first couple of hundred metres then was explosive between the eight and the four, 6.4 above. So that's a 20-length squeeze, Ralphie. This is on the 2nd of October, right? Ooh, okay. And then 7.9 above last 400. Then you match it and you watch the vision. This horse absolutely wanted to win that trial. When 
Craig obviously said, you might as well go, right? Let go. And he was absolutely wanting to savage the line in a trial. And I looked at that and I said, oh, that's bad move. Bad move. I Most horses that I've seen in that situation will run flat. And this is what I made the comment. I said, I'd be very cautious. Now, it doesn't mean this horse can't run dynamically and potentially win because you know sometimes you can win a race without running at your best, right? Yeah. And depends on what happens to you in the first section. Now, as it turns out, and this is the really crazy thing, if you take away Fangirl, look at look at the race. The race is right after Brightside. High twos, mid twos, above the IVR benchmarks on the money. The only horse that could have got into the fives into that race was Fangirl and Brightside. Bright, yeah. Fangirl trained to perfection. And you look at their run lines. I mean, Fangirl's actually giving Brightside, Mr. Brightside, a head start. And beats it. This is another sign of flatness. And usually what what should have happened, if you had a belief in that, the only thing that Willow should have been, and we're, we're going to come to this with another race in Melbourne later, yep. that when you have this sort of setup, you should be riding them as cold as you can. And the reason why you do that is so that way they give them a chance to overcome the flatness. And when you're running at a good speed, it's very difficult to do. And whilst the horse showed a good, strong last 400, it was well below its number. So once again, Chris Waller, uh, when he gets a, get uh, when he gets his chance to, to get a horse to peak, Fangirl last year in the Golden Eagle gets beaten. Uh, I wish I win a nose, five point four lengths above benchmark. Third up last prep in the uh, in the I think it was the George Ryder gets beaten by Animo narrowly, four point five lengths above benchmark, and then failed on the bog heavy track in the in the Doncaster. But it's never ever ever a wet tracker, and here here she was exploding. What'd she explode, dude? Yeah, 5.6 above. Isn't that fantastic, Ralphie? <laughs> I mean, absolutely sensational and, and proves that uh, she's definitely top three man in the country. And for those uh, listening, just trying to learn your benchmarking and just but no raw time, I'm just looking at this, Vince. Last 1,200 metres, 108.38. <laughs> so, oh, sustained class. Absolutely sensational. Yeah, wow. So I wonder if wonder if she's going to go to Melbourne or if Mr. Wallace says, "Well, that, that's a big race. Let's let's come back and win autumn races." Because what he's what he's done so so often with these mares, he keeps them very lightly raced and keeps winning. Well, this is it. This this is exactly right, and he knows he's got a super talented horse, and he's done it. He did everything spot on, and you have a look at like is <laughs> the difference, Rolfie. They both had roughly twenty eight days between runs, right? But here's the difference in the training. Van Gill goes out in barrier trials on the 3rd of the 10th, one day after Mr. Brightside, goes through the first section 3.2 below. Yep. Between the 8 and the 400, only makes a four-length move, one above. And the last 400 metres, pretty much overall, he's down. So a Bart Cummings-type trial, i.e. nothing. <laughs> Just, you know, make sure that you're where you need to be, rock-hard fit and ensuring there can't be a half-run short. Interesting. All right, well, so many great racing on that day. So uh, racing like the uh, the Silver Eagle and the Kosciuszko, the Gloaming, the Sydney Stakes, what we'll do, we'll do that, uh, go through it as a member's bonus. So if you're a Group 1 member, we're going to do a 15-minute bonus podcast and you'll get that. So if you want to be a member, racetrackrelfie.com.au, click through the links, be a Group 1 member. Also, you get Best of the Day. That's the both our Group 1 enlisted members. And every Sunday, we uh, we give members an opportunity to ask questions as well. And uh, I'll go through some of the questions uh, before I ask uh, uh, after I asked you about Caulfield, how did Caulfield uh, play there, mate? 
Caulfield, yeah, wow. Interesting with Caulfield, Ralphie. Well, overall, <clears throat> firstly, when I look at what's happened on the day and just taking the standard track average, it's come up point five above. When we do all the adjustments, it's pretty much come up double zero almost or 0.09. And what that means is you're on that genuine G4 track. You're not on anything worse than that. That's where you're at. Could a section of the ground being slightly worse? I would say no, Ralphie. My view is, well, when I say no, other than the typical section approaching that 400 metre mark, that was probably the only part of the ground that um, was trending about a length and a half behind the overall figures. And even, even the home straight didn't improve it as much as what it usually does, but Overall, you still got the mark to track G4. Uh, Daniel's asked um, about the strong headwind in the Caulfield Strait yesterday. Yep. What advice would uh, Vince regarding betting strategy as far as? So, so sorry, uh, the two more. Um, in fact, I'll ask, I'll ask uh, you the other two questions on the members' bonus because it relates to other races. But, yeah, the strong headwind at Caulfield, what was your, what was your thoughts there? Well, it's a, it's a real difficult one because you, you're in the rider's hands. And, of course, you can sit there and say, okay, do you want to be on the best riders who hopefully are going to make the right call about getting the cover and the smother? Or are you just going to find yourself in a situation where you say, okay, well, I'm just not going to focus on the leaders and the on-pace, which can work against you because the race shape does dictate that and the strength of the field. My view always is just comes back down to the rider and you have to make a call. You've got to say, well, this rider knows what he's doing. He's been in those circumstances before. Hopefully they make the right call. I mean, what else can you do? You, There's no magic wand saying, oh, just don't be on these horses. Because yeah. as much as you want to predict the map, it's never possible to pre- predict it with any perfection. Uh, mate of my Dave Kelly always says, just let the best jockeys work it out. And they yeah, do. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's what I feel. That's what they're there for. Um, as far as – I'll just ask you one more about Sydney because it, it relates to one we should, should tie, tidy off uh, about the, the matchup there between Imperatrice and In Secret, just just for a bit of fun uh, this far out, if they both go to Melbourne up the straight. Imperatrice. Oh, okay. So, so Imperatrice has basically been a, a plus five, plus six horse, and so is In Secret. What a, what a match race that would be. There can't be too much between them, Rolfi. It's all going to get back down to the day where you're drawn in that race. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, we'll start with the uh, with the might and power. Oh man! Well, well speaking of might and power, uh, an amazing front bold front runner, might and power. Of course, <laughs> we all if, if you if you're old enough and lucky enough to have uh, seen seen him at his peak. I know Vince, you thought he was a monster back in the day, which he obviously was on his yes. on his record in the Caulfield Cup and and uh, Cox Plate as a front runner. But uh, in that in that might and power race seven on the program, there we completely explained two things. Deny knowledge uh, was denied being able to run to her fastest at Moody Valley from an inside barrier, and she was crossed early. So that had stored energy, and she was probably going to lead and lead quickly. And you said there was no chance, just fine, wouldn't be flat. There were our two starting points. Yeah. <laughs> How fast did deny knowledge go? It's- oh, this, this is, it is. Well, I feel sorry for just fine, right? Because you definitely don't want that, right? But there it is, 19.6 lengths faster than Stan. Now, they definitely got some tailwind. 
yep. right? But even when you adjust for that, right, which would be maximum four lengths, right, you're still going to be travelling around plus 15, plus 16. So it was like pull the ripcord and let's run and let's run hard. And that's what they did. And I actually liked that. I thought that was good because what it was going to do was going to bring everything as a true test. And if there was going to be any chinks in your capability of running out a, let's say, for instance, a, a solid 2,000 metres, you're definitely going to know about it. So I've worked with you for 11 years now, and I think the only horse in this distance range who's gone to the to the plus 20 range is the cleaner. That's it. Full, yep. that, that's the end of the list. Yeah, that's 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 it. That's it. exactly right, Ralph. Yeah, that's how fast they were going. <laughs> so you always say well, about the golden spot and the elastic band, which is three to six lengths from the lead. And if yep. you if you're not there, you just can be in a complete non-winning position. So there's no way known they would have wanted to go thirteen point two lengths above benchmark on alligator blood. But Tim Clark did the right thing, A, just letting the other horse go, but B Wow, to be able to hang on and win, even though he was completely legless in the straight, it was amazing being there, Vince, just watching visually. You think, well, I've watched enough racing to know these horses can't lift their legs. Yeah. 13.34 was the was the uh, raw time, last 200. That wouldn't win That wouldn't win a broom. No. And, and <laughs> this is, yeah, and this is the, the whole power of the true methodology when you talk about handicapping. Yes. That this is where the real handicapping is in this setup. A, the race shape. B, where are you from the leader, particularly approaching the 800 metre mark? It's such a golden point that you should be anchoring down as your key position from that point onwards. And you can see... When you're running fast, doesn't matter if you get lane advantage, all those things. The reality is by the time you come at the home turn, you're done. Yes. <laughs> and it's just a nutritionist thing, you know, like can can you hold on and, and maintain your spot? And you could see, I mean, Alligator Blood's gone 11.2 below last 400 or seven and a half lengths below benchmark last last 200. Wow. I would confidently say the, the he'll be the only horse in Australia on a good track probably maybe for the last decade, that could run minus 7.6 last 200 and win a Group 1. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's how unusual this race shape was. So under that circumstance, a horse like Dua, I'm thinking, Blake, come on, let, let's get going. But the reality was he was going fast. <laughs> well, he, he really was. He was he was moving. And you could see even in the last four, 400 and 200 metres, I mean, that horse was – I mean, did 5.1 lengths below benchmark last 200 and had – eight lengths more energy up its sleeve. But this is what happens in a fast-run race, Rolf. You can't do any more. And that horse was pushed to its – well, when I say its limits, it's you've got to go up back a long way since the last horse – last time this horse went above benchmark first section. You have to go all the way back to March 22, over 2,000 metres of Flemington. It went 0.6 above. And then if you go back further, how about if I said to you it never went above benchmark any other time? That's just an insane race shape. So Mark's asked, just fine. I thankfully avoid. I avoided. Thankfully, was this a flat run from a gut buster last start? Was he put to the sort of the fast early speed? Please reiterate the fig- figures that may signal a gut buster. Well, there it was, Vince. The, the, the early first section, which you clearly said in the preview podcast, was um, just flat run territory, and he's had to match it. Which we, there's no way we could have genuinely expected it, but that's what he had to do. Well, that, that would have just really crushed the horse, and hence the reason why the disastrous last 400. I mean, this horse had been trending in such a dynamic way that we still hadn't seen his ceiling, but the event of the last two runs leading into this, you could see what was happening. I mean, 
go back to Randwick on the 16th of nine, 6.8 above first section, three and a half above between the eight and the four, then backs up on the 30th of the ninth, up 400 metres and goes 11.5 first section, right? Still travelling above benchmark between the eight and the four. You don't want that. And you and I like I knew this horse had to be racing had to be in a race where it was going to be below benchmark first section to be effective. And uh, no, they they, they they got punished. Uh, Chris has asked, uh, the track was questionable, so were some jockeys. What would uh, VA think? I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, we've already discussed the track. Uh, I've got another question related to jockeys that I'll include in the call for Guineas Day discussion. Uh, from Mark, no question from me. Just want to say thanks for the awesome work you guys do and thanks for the information you've provided on gold trip so far this spring. I'm not one to play futures, but managed to put something small in him after his first up run in the Caulfield Cup. All in 24 the win, sixth the place, and 41 the win, 11 the place, and the Cox played all in. He's been smashed in both right markets since. Nice profit, Mike. Why, if he runs a drum in one of those races, so good luck to you, Mark, there. And the reason I wanted to read that out then, Vince, was. Alligator Blood's now right in the market in the Cox Plate in two weeks' time. You said there was a distance down at 2,000, but as we've discussed, he got the most amazing race shape possible. In two weeks' time, he's going to be in the Cox Plate. What's your thoughts on flatness? Well, it's from a stable that I don't like to put the label on them. <laughs> right. It's, there's, that's probably one or two stables. That and Ma just couldn't do it. Couldn't you know these these boys can do it? Boys and girls like you know we got a game has for yeah yep. So no 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 I I'm not going to sit here and say they can't. If any stable can do it, they can. The, the question is this though. This is the real question. Can it go much better than plus four point two? Yes, because four point two won't win you the Cox Plate. Well, given he couldn't lift his legs, you'd have to say that's a challenge. But again, that's his stable. But what, what we've what we've seen with apples to apples regarding Mark's question last week is gold gold trip can. Yeah, well, good on the person who's taken all that money. Maybe they can cash part of it out and make sure they've got profits in there just in case something goes amiss. That's it. Just uh, just a little bit of arbitrage work. Yeah, uh, why, yep, yep. why not? Right up. Uh, call for your guineas here. And uh, and like, like I said, just want to uh, uh, park, park on the questions there, there before from uh, from Darren. Uh, international jocks, local tracks, and elastic band. An interesting, Vince, and your comments on the rides of Purton on, on In Secret, which we've covered. And Marrera on military. And the guineas, what were they doing so far back outside of an eight length band? Hard to understand those tactics in big races. Thoughts, please. So, Ben Mellon took the uh, uh, to use the, the user phrase, took the bit by between his teeth and went to the front on Griff. How fast were they going, and what was he able to produce? Yeah, well, firstly, people aren't going to come out and say Marrera's made a mistake, but he definitely did. Well, if it wasn't him, it was jointly him and the stable, right? 100% that you can put that down in the record books because they know. If you're going 5.2 lengths below benchmark, it's a joke, right? That's the lead speed. Yeah. They must know that we're not going fast. It's impossible to know that. Now, what are you doing? You're going to try and save all your energy for the headwind? No, 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 no. There's going to be resistance, right? At some given point in time, there's going to be acceleration as well. Now, Griffiths travelled at a pretty cruisy speed, Ralphie, (laughs) 5.2 lengths below benchmark, and he's getting away with a savage handicap advantage, right? Yep. Absolutely savage. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't still have to be good and have some ability. No. I mean, Griffiths does have a level of ability, right? But it's travelling like a length faster than the start before Mooney Valley when it won, right? And then the next thing is, this is probably the real critical part, right? And now when we want to talk about headwinds. Between the eight and the four, 
the horse has gone from 5.2 lengths below benchmark to 0.7 above. So the mid-race move is just under a second, or we'll call it a second, right? Yep. And then you're going to come up with the resistance. Now, only a second between the eight and the four, that means all the other horses that now have to move into the race use massive amount of energy. Let's say like militarizes one example, right? Yep. It's a 16-length move in the mid-race, and then you got the home straight with the headwind. Good, Good luck. luck. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. You're already outside the elastic band. So he's he's had to militarize is done between the eight hundred and four hundred nine lengths. Got nine lengths faster than Griff. How yep. are you gonna catch it? Well you're not. Well that's what happens, Ralphie. You're not gonna catch it, right? Yeah. Absolutely not. And the reality was, even though you can see it had the best last four hundred and two hundred meters, right? It was pretty yep. sustained. The reality is it could only make a length and a half dent in what Griff did. And, and Griff made it look really easy. And, and mind you, Griff's not that good, right? It definitely isn't that good. Like, it's won the race. It's going to have that status forever. And the margin may – well, I actually – it is an illusion, right? But when you look at the way it's won and, and you feel, oh, my goodness, that'll come out in races to come, right? But the stable, in terms of getting it right and making it 100% on the day, spot on there for all the form students, the how on earth did that win? Well, these are the sort of things that can happen in terms of – what happens on the day. Like you look at Stepati, and that's the perfect example. That horse has run third right up to its number, minus 1.4. That's it. That's yep. that's the reality, right? This is what's happened. Now, Griff has done everything to perfection, as you would expect from the stable. They find a way to find a length or two, right? Yep. In big races, sometimes three. And they've done exactly that with this. And in this situation, they didn't have the competition in the end. And just for absolute clarity, because what we've got is nice apples to apples, because the next race, the Turak, uh, was Caulfield, 1,600 miles. So exactly the same distance uh, 40 minutes later. At the 800-metre mark, if you stop the race in both races, Griff leading the Caulfield Guineas would have been 14.5 lengths off the lead in the Turak. Yep. <laughs> just absolutely insane. So that's, that's how good a run he had. And the only other horses who, who didn't have to go – Improved 10 links in the mid-race were Lindbergh, 200 to 1, Rock Empire, $61. <laughs> Everything else that was in the market had to do the impossible. Well, and unfortunately, this is what happens. You get caught in these scenarios and you've got to taste the medicine. <laughs> Absolutely the right. The big race. Uh, from Scott, and uh, I'm feeling he's paid here, Vince, I've got to say. Uh, should the connections of V8 lodge a protest, Yes, I'm talking through my wallet, and uh, absolutely via my wallet, I think they uh, they should have, but via my brain, I I've totally agree. There's no way they could have overturned that, that close to the line, your thoughts? No, 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 no. I, I, it's, it's highly unlikely. I mean... Racing accident. At the end of the day, the horse was in the spot to win. Yep. And, okay, things might not have been absolutely perfect, but was it going to be enough to make a change in the decision? They probably did the right thing, so let's just play on. Yeah, V8 wasn't going to get past it in a fit. Righto, uh, tenth race on the day. What was the last thing we said about the uh, about the Turek? Yeah, he said on the on the Sunday morning. He said you're doing a Ralph Horowitz and, and worrying about trainers' intent with uh, with um, the the favourite Amelia's jewel, and uh, and she ran flat as a pancake. Well, this is another one. Now, of course, I don't know if something else has happened to the horse as well. But That's right, yeah. This is one thing's for sure, yep. one thing's for sure, that stable's definitely made a wrong decision in terms of where they wanted to position the horse early. They obviously wanted to be in a, a decent spot. Yep. But what they should have done 
realistically, is they should have been out the back with Banker's Choice inevitable, right? That's where they should have been, travelling yep. around benchmark half below, maybe one below. Sure, it's probably still a non-winning position, right? But mind you, going 3.2 off a fast run race is also a non-winning position, and all you're going to do is create greater concerns in terms of your horse because that horse, the way it dropped off over the last 400, it was completely gone by the time I got to the 400. So it's come off the Mooney Valley run, which was um, a track record, and you adjusted it back, but what you don't adjust back is the individual sections no. so she's had to go fast at Mooney Valley and she's had to go fast again and that just had lead in the legs and again like I said and like you've said there could be something wrong with the horse we don't know for all the checks but as we speak on Monday morning there, there isn't anything known about the horse having the problem no no for me I'm in the race it's impossible for me or the team to put on a race speed profile that we shouldn't have this horse like up the top. Of right? course. But the reality was in communication, there was no way. Now, I was nice and kind and gentle and said that I'm doing a Ralph Horowitz, right? Yep. And looking beyond this run. But the reality was that if they run fast, this horse was going to be extremely in a painful position in terms of the flatness. And that's what's happened. So I wouldn't be riding this horse off. A minus 2.8, Ralph, just so you have it for the record. That's the worst run it's ever produced in its life. Yes. And and, and what we'll yeah. pro- perhaps what we're going to do is a, is a little bit of a backup here. We've prided Jenny 9.3 lengths above benchmark, so obviously flying up front. But that's what she does. And she, that was significantly faster than Mini Valley, but she still hung on for a minus 0.6. Uh, well, she might rebound hard at Flemington too. Well, see, again with this stable. This stable, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I. this is one or two stables. There's not a chance in a million I'm going to say they can't back up and do all sorts of things because they have the capability and the understanding that's well beyond my understanding. <laughs> so uh, let's let's uh, give the winner his, his due. And Vince, this is, as we've been speaking about, flat run with Amelia's Jewel. This is flat run 101, which is what he had in the Underwood after a terrific run in the Fian. And really, he's bounced back to his Fian number more or less just talk us through about the difference between what's really clearly on the data here that an ability to bounce back uh off off a race shape that was uh that was pretty gentle in the underwood well i guess one thing that i should say right from the bat is hayden coaches the rider hayden from your day hayden Hayden Byrne, who works with with me right and he actually rang me and asked me some questions about the chances and the scenarios and what would be some of the strategies. And he put forward what he thought could be, you know, technically a really sound move. And the sound moves that he had in his mind was that he was going to be doing his best to be in a forward slot, at least forward of midfield, if not a little bit closer. And really the only technicals we worked on where I just sort of said to him, mind you, he had the thoughts right from the beginning about, you know, what do we do in terms of lanes? What should be the attack? And I just said that you absolutely got the right strategy in play. You're a genuine chance if you do that of being in the first three, right? Yep. And getting on that podium, as long as the jockey is veering to the right in the home straight. Don't veer to the left, which means to the fence, right? Go to the right and give yourself a chance of um, getting the maximum out of the horse. And they rode it to perfection and, and they pulled off a great, 
plan that they devise, and well done for Hayden and well done for the jockey for um, following through with that plan and believing in it and also believing that their horse was a chance. Because I said to Hayden, I said, probably, you know, on the low, maybe plus three or four is going to win it. Yep. And what's he done? Yeah, he's gone 2.9. Which is pretty much, well, plus three at Mooney Valley. Yeah, that, and that, I, that, that's flat run time. Yeah, and I said to Hayden, I said, you know, I wouldn't be worrying about Amelia's jewel. Definitely yep. that you got one out the way. Now, inevitable, I said, that's probably the one to beat, right? Yep. That reality, that's the one to beat that still going to have called up energy from the previous run is going to come into this. And then, you know, horses like Antino, all that, they're all chances, but they weren't like horses that were going to magically run plus fours and things like that. That wasn't going to happen. So, well done on that. And, Good pace. What a position to be in. Going five lengths above benchmark, 4.3 lengths behind the lead speed. It's just almost exactly where you want it to be, Ralphie, right? Yep. And even the move, you know, in the mid-race, he probably could have maybe gone a bit quicker, but he didn't. And that takes a bit of skill, right? Yes. got to do that because very controlled between the eight and the 400. He was really holding his line. And even though the horse was deteriorating to the line, which it should do, it was enough to score victory. No, and uh, Bo Mertens actually gave Aiden a shout-out after the race. Good, good, right. good, on, good okay. on both, which was nice. And uh, and just to, to wrap that in a bow, he covered ground. He was three wide, no cover. Now, we often hear Damien Lane saying, I like being three wide, no cover in certain circumstances. And this is the reality uh, that probably, you know, Joe Marrera didn't do, that once once you're, once you're in, the, in the wrong spot, if you just wait and wait and wait and wait, you'll miss miss the boat, whereas in this case, he's ridden uh, what you've described to the numbers perfectly. He's covered some ground, and he's got the win. He has got the win, and the beauty is this, right? He's run right up to his Mooney Valley performance, two starts back, and that, you know, just the franking of the plus three range, right? Yep. And he's gone virtually the same numbers on the weekend, which is superb, and just getting everything out of the horse, and this just goes to show how you can win races, even though you sometimes aren't the best horse in the race. Uh, and Antino, I, I just wonder, and now, of course, it's been beaten a nose, right? So, yeah. But I'm just wondering, you know, the old thing about uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You can program all you like. They've programmed him to peak on the big day, but he had a barrier trial effectively at Flemington in traffic. So it, what I'm saying is if you look at the grid, he stepladded each time, but maybe if his starting point at Flemington was a better run, i.e. with full momentum, uh, maybe he's, he's capable of going to the plus three range and it, it wouldn't have been a, a nose defeat. It's a, it's a one-length win. Yeah, well, you can just see in terms of conditioning blowout, one of the ways you can measure it, Ralph, is like if I look at attrition, let's yep. say it was going to race rock hard fit, you look at the drop-off over the last 200 metres, which is around 1.7, and Antino's drop-off over the last... 200 metres was 2.9 off a three and a half length softer early section, right? When compared to attrition, right? That just gives you further insight that no doubt the horse had hit the wall, but still take nothing away from the winner. No, but I'm saying, Antino, maybe Moody yep. Valley, Moody, Moody oh, Valley mile in two weeks, Vince. I think <laughs> we, we can get a jam did out. Let's see what happens I hope there. So. In the meantime, uh, we are doing the preview podcast for Caulfield Cup this week. So if you want to have a, a, be involved with that, that includes the final edition of Race Speed Profiles. Uh, go to my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. Click through the preview podcast link and you can get that. If you're an existing daily sexual client who already gets the uh, Race Speed Profiles, there's a podcast only only top-up options, so they're the two options there. And uh, hopefully we can uh, steer the right way. There's a couple of internationals, of course, that 
bits we'll be doing the clock on. And uh, if you want the Sydney info or the indeed the Brisbane info, you can get that via Daily Sectionals with the full race speed profile of its card site, dailysectionals.com.au. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening to our year-round carnival podcast.